Our scripture comes from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After he had agreed with the workers to pay them a denarian, he sent them to his vineyard. Then he went out around nine in the morning and he saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go to the vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went again around noon and then at three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon, he went out and found others standing around and he said to them, why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day long? Because nobody has hired us, they replied. He responded, you also go into the vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, each one received a denarian. Now when those who hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarian. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. These who were hired last worked one hour, and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But he replied to them, friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one who was hired last the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with, with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I'm generous? So those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Mike Holly. I'm the senior pastor here at Asbury. I don't often get down the hallway to be with you, but I'm so glad to be here. Uh, Robert and Jeremiah and the whole team that puts together this worship service are just wonderful. I'm so blessed to work with them. And every now and then I get to come over here and have a little bit more fun with you, and I'm glad to be here today. Now, uh, and this is also one of the few times I get to worship with my kids, because they're usually down the hall here, because uh, they like the service and probably the donuts as well. So, uh, when I heard the scripture, when I read the scripture, especially when I was a lot younger, I think the first thing that came to my mind was, that's not fair, right? That is just not fair. Fair. From a very early age, we are programmed to think about fairness. What I have versus what you have. And I would love to show you a video. Now, this is, this is a, a video from England uh, where they call cookies biscuits. So as long as you understand when they say a biscuit, they're not talking about the big fluffy buttery thing that we eat for breakfast. They're talking about cookies. So let's, let's go ahead and show that video this morning. All right, so my favorite part were, were the two boys on the side, the little blonde girl in the middle, where she was eating like half of her cookie before she shared, and they were just staring at her. You can almost see like, you know, they are salivating because they want to eat a cookie, right? And, and what do you think they're thinking in their minds? It's not fair, right? It's not fair. Uh, the other kids, 
they were really getting down to how well they could break the cookie so it was fair. Did you see that? I almost expected somebody to bring out a scale so they could weigh the cookies to make sure it was fair. You know, that's kind of wired into us. We think about fairness. Do you remember as a kid when you say something like, you know, everybody else is getting to do it, mom, dad, everybody else has one, right? And what do your parents usually say? Well, if so-and-so jumped off a cliff, would you do it as well? <laughs> don't do that, okay. <laughs> if you hear nothing else from today, don't do that. Um, you know, when I was a kid, we had those little snack pack puddings. Do you remember this? Like if you brought your own lunch and you had one of those chocolate or vanilla snack pack puddings, you were cool. Your parents cared about you because if you didn't have one of those, you felt like you did not matter, that you were unloved, and we would try to barter with those. That was sort of like our way of, of having money. Uh, if I wanted something, I could try to barter off my snack pack to someone who didn't have one and get something that I wanted. Fair, fair, fair. It is fair, it's not fair. It is fair, it's not fair. We are wired to think about this all the time. And yet, don't you think we also feel that sometimes, sometimes, we want everything to be fair unless we have an edge. Unless we have a little bit more advantage than someone else. I was reading a book about the parables by a pastor who worked here in Birmingham several years ago. His name is John Claypool. He was an Episcopal priest. And John Claypool said, we think everything should be fair until we get the edge. And this is what he says. How many of us, if we're being honest, if we're playing cards and we get a hand with a bunch of aces, how many of us would say, wait a minute, this is not fair, I got a really good hand, let's reshuffle, okay? How many of us would do that? Not very many of us, because we had the luck of the draw, right? We're the one that lifted up the cloche, that's what that's called, have you ever known that? When we lift up that little rounded thing over a plate, it's called a cloche. When we lift up our cloche, and we look at our hand, and we see we have an edge, we don't really think that we have something better than anyone else, because I didn't choose it, right? I had no idea what was under this cloche. I had no idea what was gonna be handed to me, the cards. So I have a leg up, but it wasn't me who did it. In a way, we can kind of think about the workers who were selected at five o'clock p.m., one hour before the workday ended, as kind of those people that got a bunch of aces in their hand. It was the luck of the draw, you know? The, work, the landlord could have chosen those people in the early part of the morning, but he didn't. He waited to the end of the day before he chose them. They somehow won the lottery that day, and that's a little bit of an overstretch there because we're not talking about a lot of money here. You heard John when he was talking about the money that was being offered uh, as one denarian, or sometimes you hear about one denarius, and we've got a picture of a first century denarius. Now, those are two. Uh, one is flipped over. This is what a Roman denarius or denarion looked like. And this was essentially enough money for one family to survive for one day. 
This is enough. That one single coin is enough for one family to survive for a single day, which makes a lot more sense because we're talking about day laborers, right? These are not people that are working a lot to get enough for a whole week. We're talking about somebody who was chosen outside of a hardware store to go and work for one day. They're getting one day's pay. That's it. So this is what they're talking about. So these, these people that worked you know, in the afternoon at two o'clock or five o'clock, they're not making a ton of money. They know that their family can survive tomorrow because of what they've gotten today. Every worker in the vineyard got the exact same payment that day. And that's where the fairness police, or we call them the early workers in the vineyard that day, that's where they start getting upset because they see at the end of the day these people that work for an hour getting one denarius. And it looks like, oh my goodness, this man is gonna be really generous today because he's giving the people that worked one hour a day's wage. So therefore, we worked almost 12 hours, we're got to be paid. Our families might be able to survive for a week or even two, but that's not what happens, is it? Every single person gets one day's wage, one denarian, one denarius, one after the other. This story seems like it's about fairness, about this wealthy landowner sort of, in a way, ripping off people who worked hard for the entire day out in the hot sun in the vineyard, you know, getting the grapes off of the vines and bringing them in. But that's not really what it's about. It's not really about the workers and whether or not they were treated fair or not. And the reason that we know that this is not about fairness is how the workers that came early in the day are treated and explained to by the landowner. So here's what happens. These, these workers who were out there for the hottest time of the day, they were there from morning until evening, they essentially say to the person, you cheated us, this is not fair. You have made the people who worked for one hour equal to us. Now, do you see that the people in the first century also seem to think that payment makes equality? that somehow we are equal because we make the same amount of money. And that's not really the way that God looks at it. It's not about your worth. It's that God loves you, that God cares about each individual. It's not about how much you are worth, your net worth as a person. Because you exist, God cares about you. So the workers in the morning said, you've made us equal to them already. Not only are they mad at the landowner, who do they also want to hate? The people that work for an hour, they become the enemies even though all they did was get selected by a landowner at the very end of the day. They showed up to work. He just said, I'll pay you what's fair. They didn't know what to expect, did they? And yet they got a full day's work, a full day's pay. A lot of this is coming down to fairness based on what we think we deserve, what we think we're owed, what we're entitled to. And the landowner wants to flip the script. He wants to help us look at it from a different perspective. The landowner says, why are you envious? Why are you resentful? Because I am generous. Why are you resentful? Why are you angry? 
because I'm generous. So again, they think about whether or not they deserve something and the landowner is saying, I've got money to give around. I'm gonna spend it. I'm gonna give it the way I want to. So already the parable is not just about fairness and what we deserve. It's more about generosity and the man wants to be generous. What's interesting is even in the common English Bible that we read from today, the translation for what the landowner says is really kind of paraphrased. It's not really a word-for-word translation. He says, why are you resentful because I'm generous? But really what he says is, why is your eye evil because I am generous? Why is your eye envious because I'm generous? That may not make a lot of sense. Why is your eye evil? It has nothing to do with my eyes. It has something to do with you ripping us off, right? Why does he say that your eye is evil or resentful? One clue may be in the Sermon on the Mount from the same exact Gospel of Matthew. We've got the text on the screen here in just a second. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. And this is what Jesus is teaching near the Sea of Galilee to all these people that are listening. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, It also could say, if your eye is good. If your eye is good or healthy, your body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad or evil or envious, then your body, your whole body, will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how terrible will that darkness be? How terrible will it be? So the landowner is sort of speaking the words that Jesus taught earlier in his ministry. If your eye is good, if your eye is healthy, you'll be filled with light. You will see things, you will understand things from God's perspective. But if your eye is evil or resentful or envious, you're not gonna see things from God's perspective because you're gonna be thinking about what is owed to you, what you deserve. Does this make sense? The whole thing is about your point of view, your perspective. And these people are fixated on how they feel cheated instead of seeing the landowner treating the people that worked at the end of the day with a lot of generosity. If your eye is good, you're full of light. If your eye is bad, you're full of darkness. So what is Jesus connecting in this parable the darkness to? He's saying the evil eye, the bad eye, is connected to darkness, which is like entitlement, envy, feelings of hatred or anger towards God or other people. These are natural feelings. There's nothing wrong with those feelings per se, but ultimately we've got to be careful with those feelings because if they take root in us, They lead to darkness. They lead to unhappiness and a feeling of anger towards other people instead of seeing God's grace at work in the lives of other people. So let's look at it from the perspective of the landowner because that seems to be where the parable ends. The landowner is not someone who would be teaching at a master's in business class, would they? The landowner is actually a terrible businessman. He goes around and hires as many people as he can, even at the end of the day, and then pays the people that work one hour equal pay to the people at the very beginning. So already we can tell 
He is not a good businessman. Already we can tell that this is a terrible business model. He will eventually run out of money if he continues paying people for work they didn't do. If God is like the landowner, then what does that mean? The church is a terrible business. I mean, think about it. It's a great business when things are going well, but all of a sudden, once we get you into the church, we tell you that other people outside matter too, and even though you're here and we care about you and we want you to be here, we want you to bring other people in as well. That's a business model based on getting more people in, and it's not because we wanna have more people giving, it's because we want to have more people who are touched by the grace of God. It's because we want more people to understand and know Jesus loves them. That's why we exist. Our business model is about sharing good news, not about getting people in who tithe. That's the whole business of the church. If you look up the mission statement of any United Methodist church, it says that our business model, our reason for existing is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's what we're about. And that's who God is in the landowner. Somebody whose job it is is not just to bring in the crop, but to continue to go out and find more people who can be a part of bringing in the crops, finding more people to work, even if they only have one hour to do so. The other thing about the landowner is that he seems to care more about blessing people than about giving them what's fair, right? It's not just about getting more people into work, but it's also about blessing them that they get enough to survive for another day. He goes out thinking that people will be all uh, employed, right? By Surely by five o'clock, everybody is employed, but he finds people that aren't. And in a way, he looks at them saying, if you don't get that daily wage, what's gonna happen to you and your family tomorrow? So he invites them to come and work. He gives them a full day's pay for one hour so that at least for tomorrow they'll be okay. That is really generous, isn't it? It's very generous. It's a way of looking at God as the landowner who wants to bless someone when they feel forgotten or isolated or they're just hanging on by a thread. It's a very different way of looking at things, isn't it? But it's because... It's God and how God operates. It's not about a business. The people who come early in the day feel like it's about business and about who should be first, who should be paid the best. But really what Jesus is talking about is a God who wants to have a ministry. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The only way to see this is to see it with good eyes. Because if we see it with the bad eyes, all we fixate on is whether or not it's fair, whether or not we're treated the right way. But if we can see it with good eyes, if we can see it with the light that's within us, thanks be to Jesus, then we can see something beautiful happening. That While I had to work and toil during vacation Bible school, these kids got to know that Jesus loved them. While I go overseas to Central America to work on a mission project, the people down there know that 
a church in Birmingham, Alabama cares enough about them to show up. All of these things are the kind of things we start to think about differently. I mean, can you imagine what it's like for someone to get a whole vacation week taken away? They could have gone skiing. They could have gone to the beach, and yet they're giving up a full week vacation to go on a mission trip with teenagers? That should be seen as a waste. And yet people do it because all of a sudden they see with different eyes. They see with good eyes and they see about the rewards that other people can receive, the blessing that other people can receive. And it's all because we chose to see with lightness instead of darkness. It's because we choose to see the world through the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of earth. When we find someone in need, when we find someone who's hurting, when we find someone who's lost alone, how will we look at them? How far will we go to help them? How generous will we be with what we have? I don't know if you could tell, but the video that we showed was edited and it finished a little too soon. And that's because we wanna show you what happens next. And notice the children and their faces. What happens when they see an opportunity to serve? The first part of the video was all about fairness. But did you see what happened when they saw a plate that was empty for a kid who's never had a cookie before? Three of them just put their whole brain, they hadn't even taken a bite out of one yet, put their whole cookie there for someone else. And it was no, not about fairness anymore, was it? Because what had been fair would have been to break it in half and put half of their cookie on that plate. Some of them, they were just finding as many pieces of the cookie as they could to put it on the plate. When we see with our good eye, we see the opportunity to bless. We see the opportunity to do something even better. How will we see the world? How will we see others if we see with good eyes? Let us pray. Holy and loving God, help us to see with new eyes. Help us to see with clean hearts. Help us to see ways we can be a blessing to others. We know that the world is not fair. Sometimes we get the luck of the draw. Sometimes others don't. Help us to be a blessing with who we are, with all we have, and help us to see as you see. Amen.